car and wept for hours after that. Sat there and we sat in the parking lot at the synagogue down in Atlanta and he just sat there and cried. He cried and cried. He started watching everybody jump up, raise their hand up, talking about getting saved. and He's just watching it. Had no idea. And he asked me driving down the road, he said, how did you get saved? And it led into a several hours of a conversation. And uh, his brother got saved. He's not gotten saved yet. And uh, still praying for him. And uh, got to see him several years later in Israel, actually. He had moved to Israel. And, and uh, I sat there with him for a couple hours. And he sat there and just wept and wept again. But uh, name is Marcus. I do pray for him. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. You got your Bible, turn it over to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy in chapter number 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I know lunch is ready, and, uh, but uh, I'm not going to be long, I don't think I am. I just put this outline together this morning, so Brother Goolsby said I got till 2 o'clock, so he said I can preach till 2, but uh, don't worry, I won't be that long, but um, uh, yesterday the Lord began to... kind of stir my heart in this direction, and I've never preached directly on this subject, very familiar with this subject, but never uh, preached uh, directly upon it. But it's amazing how the testimonies, the two messages before, everything is just laid the foundation. I'm amazed. It's amazing how the Lord does those things. You know, Brother Sosby preached this morning phenomenal message, dealing a lot about having a clean vessel. Not on the outside, but on the inside. And, you know, in that vessel, don't want us to be idle. Don't, sit a, don't, don't be an empty vessel. Be busy. But then Brother Hewitt talked about being that willing vessel, being a vessel that's being used. And I want to preach this morning on the making of a vessel. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, if you have your Bible, let's stand, if you would, in reverence to the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number Verse number 19, Paul writing to Timothy says this, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, and, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. He says, then flee also useful lust, but follow follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strives. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for the privilege we have to be able to gather this morning. Thank you for the privilege we have to be able to serve you. I pray that you'd help us this morning as we look at this subject of the of creating a vessel, that of a potter. I pray, dear God, that you would ever speak to our hearts. Help us to see what you're doing in our lives and our hearts and help us to be 
committed and help us to be faithful. Lord, help us to give our lives to you and to honor you in everything that we do. And Father, we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, as I begin to think about yesterday, I begin to think about the potter and the potter's house. And, you know, God has allowed us a, a, a just, and I, I take it not lightly, just I'm very humbled that the Lord would allow us to do this. But while we're in Israel, we're able to go to a place and, and I'm, a, I'm a tour guide there. And we have groups that will come in and we tour them around a place called Nazareth Village. There in Nazareth Village, it's a recreation of what Second Temple period life would be like. You see people dressed in Second Temple period clothes, walking around, working in the village. My children have dressed up there. They've put on the clothes. They've worked. They've picked olives. They've labored and labored and labored. My boys have picked so many olives, and, and, uh, and, and they're just, they don't even want to look at olives sometimes. They've seen so many of them. And, and I mean, they've done a lot of work there. But it is an amazing, amazing place as you walk through. And many of the things that you do see, there is a recreation of what it is. And so, you know, dealing with these things, we have to study Second Temple period customs and cultures. And it's fascinating doing so. Well, one of the stations that we bring people to is that of a potter's house. And we come up to the potter's house, and you can watch the entire process, or, or not watch, the, you can explain the entire process of, of how the, the, the potter would go about to make a vessel. My, the illustrations you can get as you begin to look at those things. And you know, this morning I began to think about that potter's house, and I thought about the method of the potter. And, because you see, the potter has a process. He has a process in what he is trying to do. The Bible tells us over in Isaiah 64 and verse number 8, the Bible says this, But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay, and thou our potter, and we are the work of thine hand. You see, God is our Father, and he is our potter, and we are the work of the potter's hand. And that's what over and over we see through the scriptures. But understand, when you come to that potter's house, you know, the, 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 the process that begins, it actually starts with two different pools that you have. You're going to have two different layers. You're going to have an upper pool area. It's going to be an area that's going to be cut out in the ground. And, and then you're going to go down to the next layer, and you're going to have a small area down there uh, as well. What you're going to do in order to start the process is you're going to have to go through and you're going to find you some clay. You're going to have to go out and find you some soil. So there's the selection of that soil. You know, the different types of soil that you use will determine many times the, the strength of the pot. It determines the coloration of the pot. It determines several things depending on the type of soil that you use. So that potter's going to go out into the field. He's going to find the soil that he wants to use. He's going to bring it back to that pool area, that lower pool, and he's going to place that dirt in that area. You see, after he selects the soil, he's then going to saturate that soil with water. I mean, you're going to soak it down with water. You're going to saturate it with, with water. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, in Psalms 119, in verse number 9, he says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. 
He talks about in Ephesians about the washing of the water and of the Word of God in our lives. You see, there's an importance of the Word of God in our life if we're ever going to be a vessel that God is going to use. You've got to be saturated with the Word of God. Matter of fact, over in Psalm 1, the Bible tells us in Psalm 1, the psalmist David says this, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You know what David said here about this? Those that meditate, those that uh, dwell on the precepts of the Word of God, he'll be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You know, one of David's favorite places to go to as he was running from Saul and fleeing from Saul was a place down in the south called Ein Gedi. Now, Ein Gedi is, is out in the middle of the desert. It's just a barren land. I mean, there's nothing out there. It's just dirt. And you see, you see conies out there in the rocks. And you'll see ibex, you know, those mountain goats out there. But, I mean, it's just a desert out there. But, you know, Ein Gedi is an amazing place. When you go up in Engedi, you got these mountains coming down, big old mountains coming down. And from the road, from Highway 90, you can't really see it that good. But once you start going up in there and you start hiking around through Engedi, oh, it is fascinating. Because you're walking up these, these areas where in the midst of the desert, there's these two different streams coming down. I mean, one of those waterfalls is over 300 foot high. I was up there not long ago and hiking, hiked all the way up to the top of one of those waterfalls. About a two and a half hour hike up there. I mean, it is up there. And I mean, you're looking out, looking over the Dead Sea. It is amazing. All the way into the country of Jordan. It is just beautiful up in that area. But what's fascinating, in the midst of this barren desert, along those creek beds, you know what it is? It is just a lush, lush forest. I mean, you could easily see how David could be on one side and Saul being on the other side. That's where David actually cut off the skirt tails of, of Saul. The fringes of Saul's garments was there at En Gedi. And you could see how David could literally be uh, 50 feet on that side and Saul could be on this side and they not even see each other because of the thick, lush growth in the midst. Why? Because it's next to a stream. It is next to those rivers of water. I'm telling you, listen, if you're going to be a vessel that God is going to use for His glory, you've got to be saturated with the Word of God. You need to be situated there by the streams of the water. I'm telling you, listen, that is vital in order to make a vessel is the saturation of that soil with the water. They'll soak that, that, uh, that uh, clay down. They'll soak it down, that, make it a mud. And once they get that mud, they're going to run it through a sifter. You're going to take a sieve and, and uh, you're going to take this sieve and you're going to pick up that mud and you're going to throw it through that sieve. And, and as you put it through that sieve, you're trying, to, you're, you're trying to strain it through, trying to get out any type of stone. You know, because you brought all that clay in, that raw dirt, you busted it up, and so it's going to have stones, it's going to have debris within inside it, uh, impurities within inside it, and it's vital to get all those impurities out. So you're going to run it through that sieve trying to get it all out. 
Well, if you'll notice here in 2 Timothy, and notice in 2 Timothy what Paul says in verse 21 to Timothy. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel. He shall be a vessel, he said, unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. You see, this is one of the last letters Paul ever wrote. And as he's writing to Timothy, he is warning him. He is challenging him. He is encouraging him. Why? Because there are many that are departing from the faith. There are many that are being led away, being seduced by the faith. And Paul is telling him, he tells him back in chapter number 1, he's saying, listen, he said, I'm writing to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. He's saying, listen, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's saying, hey, Timothy, listen, you don't have to go astray like others are doing. You don't have to be afraid. I'm telling you, listen, he he tells him back here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. He's saying God knows His people. And God knows what's taking place around in the world around you. And you know what? God is able uh, to mold His vessels and to use His vessels for His glory. He's saying, don't worry about everything else. You just stay focused on what you're supposed to be. And that's that vessel. But you see, you've got to be saturated by the Word. You've got to go through that sifting process of removing all those stones out. But you see, then there's the separation of the clay. You see, once it goes through that sifting process, you're going to take all that, all that clay, that mud, from that lower pool, and you're going to bring it up here to the upper pool area, and you're going to set that uh, mud in that upper pool area. What's going to happen is all that water is going to start draining out. All that water is going to start flowing out of that mud. And, and that clay is going to be sitting there in that upper pool area as, as God is getting it ready to the place where he can take it over to the potter's house. Listen to how the psalmist David describes it. He describes it this way in Psalm chapter 40 and verse number 1. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. And he established my goings. And he has put a new song in my heart. That's the picture that David is painting there. God is taking that mud, that mire. He's taking that clay from that mire. And he's bringing it up. He's setting it upon a rock. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to establish our goings. He's going to mold. He's going to make that vessel. And you know what he said? He said the outcome is, is God's going to put a new song in our heart. He's going to put a song. I mean, oh, listen, God, that is what the process in which he's doing. There's that separation of the clay. That separation is not always easy. That process of God removing us out and separating it is not always easy. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 14. He warns us, be not ye unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteous? What communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Bilal? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. You know what he's saying? You're a vessel. You are a vessel of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and I and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. 
God wants His people to come out of the world. Why? Because God is molding and making a vessel for His glory and honor. You see, after they bring that out, it'll sit there and, you know, it'll sit. It'll sit there in the sun. It'll bake in the sun for a little while. Because the more the pressure of that heat of that sun, it'll push that water on out, getting that clay ready to be used. No, I'm telling you, from that point on, you see not only the method of the potter. He has a process. You see the motive of the potter. Because the potter has a plan for that clay. Look what the Bible says. Take your Bible over to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 18. Jeremiah chapter number 18. In Jeremiah chapter number 18, in verse number 1, here God tells Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. He said in verse number 1, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So we made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. You know what God is telling Jeremiah? He's telling the house of Israel through this illustration that he's seeing here. Listen, God's saying, I'm in control. And I can make whatever type of vessel I want to make. Why? Because he's God. And he said, I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan. And listen, though they were going through difficult times, God was not done with Israel. He was not casting them away. He was molding a vessel. He was preparing, though they erred, and that clay became marred. You know what that potter did? He made another vessel. He didn't give up on them. He didn't quit on them. Why? Because he has a plan for that vessel. You see, I thought about the motive of the potter. The motive is to create a vessel. That's the very motive of the potter. You see, the clay from that point on, he's going to bring it over to the potter's house and he's going to bring it over to an area where he's got what they would have in the second temple period would be a kick wheel. You're going to have a, a large wheel on the bottom. It's going to be about, uh, I don't know, probably about 24 inches in diameter. Uh, there on the bottom, and there's a shaft coming up. And at the top of that shaft is going to be a plate that's uh, about 16 inches in diameter. And it's there that the potter will begin to mold that clay. Now, those could vary depending on the style of uh, type of pottery that the potter normally makes. But uh, that's a basic scenario. And so what he'll do when he brings it over to the potter's wheel, there are three things that are vital that's got to take place. Three things. I was talking to a young man who's, who does work as a potter. And, and uh, matter of fact, I texted him this morning. And uh, y'all pray for Daniel. Daniel just got out of the IDF about a year ago. And now he's just been called back up to reserves. And, and so I've been talking with him. And Daniel hadn't been saved very, very long. Just got called to preach. Uh, matter of fact, we were up on, uh, in Nazareth. And we went over to the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the edge of the city looking out over that valley of Megiddo. And and, and had service out there, and Daniel got up, preached his second message up there on that, on that hill. And it was fascinating. We had Muslims standing up there. There was Jews up there. And boy, Daniel got to preaching. He's up there preaching in Hebrew. We all sung. We were singing songs, all in Hebrew. And then he got up and started preaching. And you watch those Muslims sitting there with their cameras just videoing. Yeah. Sitting there listening to the Word of God. 
Well, I'm telling you, he's a fine young man, about 21 years old, I guess. And, and I was sitting there talking to Daniel as he was molding, making some pottery. And I said, Daniel, tell me something about the process. He said, I'll tell you one of the major things, one of the most important things. He says, about this clay. I said, what is it? He said, there's got to be a consistency in the clay. He said, if that clay is not consistent... He said, if it's not consistent, he said, then I'll struggle trying to make a vessel out of it. He said, it won't conform right. He said, it's got to be consistent. I'm telling you, listen, if you're going to be a vessel, you know what you got to be? you got to be consistent in your walk. Not up and down, not in and out. I'm telling you, stay consistent. Stay consistent in the Word of God. Stay consistent in praying. Stay consistent in serving. I'm telling you, there's got to be a consistency in your life. That clay has got to be consistent. There's not only got to be a consistency, there must be a centering of the clay upon the wheel. You see, if you put that clay over to the right side of the wheel, when you start spinning it, you're going to get it off balanced. He said the clay has got to be right in the middle. It needs to be centered. I'm telling you, listen, the most important thing in your life is to stay uh, right where God wants you. I'm telling you, stay in obedience to God where He wants you. Do those things which you know is the will of God. I'm telling you, obey your parents, serve the Lord. Stay in your stay, listen, right where God wants you. Don't deviate from the Word of God. You see, you got to be centered upon that will. But then thirdly, there must be a conformity to the hands of the potter. I remember one time I had a group up there and I was, I was going through explaining some of the process and, and Daniel was molding, he was making this beautiful pot. Well, he does such a good job and he's spinning that wheel with his foot and man, he'll start, he'll stick his thumbs down in there and man, he'll start making all kind of vessels and he was molding that vessel and boy, that thing got kind of, uh, it was just fighting with him. It wasn't conforming to his hands. And you know what happened? I saw him, he took that clay and he just kind of folded it over and you know what he did? He stuck his thumbs back in there again and boy started molding that vessel again and I thought my what a good illustration you see that was with Israel's problem there in Jeremiah listen they wasn't conforming to the hands of the potter and you know what God did he just folded it over and he started again I'm telling you listen there'll be times in your life listen where you fail where you stumble you know what thank God the potter is not done with the clay you know what he does he just keeps on molding he keeps on making I'm telling you but listen we need to be uh, Listen, pliable to the hands of the, of the potter. There's got to be a conformity. There's got to be a, a conformity. You know, he just, when the clay doesn't respond, he just makes it over again. That's why the Bible tells us to harden not your heart. You know what happens when you harden your heart? That clay can't conform. That clay rebels and the clay will never become the vessel that God has intended for that vessel to be. And so there's got to be a conformity. But then lastly, I thought about the mind of the potter. You see, he has a purpose. He has a purpose for that vessel. You see, I was talking to Daniel and Daniel said, you know, he said, I don't always know what I'm going to make when I'm making a pottery. He said, it all depends on how it begins to go. He said, as the, as the vessel begins to form, he said, sometimes I know what I want to make, but sometimes as that vessel begins to form, he said, it's like it, you know, I, I kind of comes into my mind what I want to create out of this. And he said, I start mourning. You see, the potter has got a plan. He has got a plan and a purpose 
for the vessel that he's making. You see, as it starts developing, he knows what he wants to do with it. He knows the purpose. You know, you got different types of pottery for all kind of things. You got, you got vessels that could be made as oil lamps. You had vessels that could be made like a, like a vase. You had bowls that you could use for food, plates. You could have cups. There's, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on of what those vessels could be. But you see, the, per, the, the potter has got a purpose for that vessel. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Look back in our text, if you would, in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Notice what he says. Back in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy 2, if I can get there. 2 Timothy 2, he says, In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. You see, every vessel had a purpose. Some of those vessels would be used for honor, some of them for dishonor. But you see, it all depends on verse number 21, on how you get the stones out. And the process of removing those stones, if you want to be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. You see, uh, once they get that clay, that pot made, well, it'll be attached to the bottom of that clay. And he'll take a string and he'll, he'll still be spinning that kick wheel. And it's, it's turning and he'll just run that string under the bottom and it cuts that clay off. And he'll take that, uh, that oil lamp, we'll say, and he'll set that oil lamp aside. Now that oil lamp or whatever the vessel he is making, he's going to set it aside and he's going, he told me, he says, you're going to put it in shade. You're going to put it in a shady area for at least two weeks. You want it to sit at least for two weeks. This allows the clay to acclimate to the weather, to the conditions that it's in. You see, if you were to take that clay and automatically set it out in the sun, it would heat it up too fast and it would make it weak. And so you've got to allow this process to take place to make it stronger. You see, if it gets too weak, once it once it's, uh, goes under the pressure of the fire, it will break. But you see, once you allow it to acclimate and it gets adjusted and it, gets, and it kind of grows in grace and knowledge, then once it gets into the fire that it's going to be going into, it can withstand uh, whatever it may face. During this time as it's setting aside, that's when the potter will go through and he'll start making handles. And he'll put handles and attach it on the side of those pots. He'll go through and put designs on it. He'll cut designs in that pottery, whatever. You see, he's creating it as a vessel of beauty now. This is where he is he's molding this, uh, making this. You see, not every vessel is going to look the same. Not every vessel is going to be designed by the potter to do the same job or have the same purpose. You know, he's creating it however he wants it to be used. Now, once it's ready and all the moisture is out of it, he's going to take it over to a kiln. Uh, I've seen several old, you know, Old Testament period kilns, just ruins of them there in the land. But those those kilns, it's like a, it almost looks like an igloo is how it looks, you know. And there was different processes of those. But this one, uh, Second Temple period, they generally will go through a three-phase process trying to get the, the oxidation of it. And it has to do with the air mixture going in. You see, this process, they're going to heat this thing up. They're going to build a fire on the bottom. You'll have shelf on the top where you'll put all those clay pots in it. And, and it's going to heat up between 1,500 and 2,000 degrees over a several day period. You're going to heat it up and then you're going to allow it to cool down a little. And then you're going to heat it up again. That three-phase process will not only strengthen the pot, but it also can add coloration to the pot. 
by the oxidation. And again, you can get a, a black piece of pottery, you can get a red piece of pottery, and it all depends not only on the type of clay that you use, but this process at the kiln. And it is there you can develop a beauty in the midst of that fire that you cannot get nowhere else except for the fire in which it is going through. So it'll heat up for several different days. And so uh, during that time, uh, listen, God is molding and making this. You know, I begin to think about this potter and, you know, of course when he's molding this clay and he's making, he's constantly sprinkling water on it, keeping it moist. And, and, you know, he's molding and making this. But, you know, people ask the question, why? Why does God allow me to go through what I'm going through? Kind of like Martha and Mary, wasn't it? Lord, if thou would have been here, my brother had not have died. But you know what God was doing with Lazarus? He was molding a vessel. You know why? You read in the next chapter, and they had this big party, and everybody's coming out to see Lazarus. And the Bible says that many believed on Jesus because of Lazarus. Why? Because God was molding a vessel. God was making a vessel. You see, you know what God is working with? He's working with marred clay. We still have a sin nature. Listen, we have still been marred because of sin. Why do bad things happen? It's because this world, listen, is still filled with sin. Thank God one day it'll return like that of the Garden of Eden in the millennial. Uh, one day uh, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But right now, listen, there are struggles. There are hard times. But you know what God can do in the midst of those difficult times? He can still make a vessel. And it all depends on how we conform to the hands of the potter as he's molding us. You see, even in the most difficult of times, God can mold vessels and use it for his glory. He didn't say the process was easy. The process is difficult. There's sorrow. He tells us there will be sorrows. There will be pains. There will be heartaches. But you know what? He allows to give us grace to help us in time of need. Or we can harden our heart. Or we can receive what he's done. Let him work in the midst. You know, it's fascinating when you, when, you, when you look at the word potter in Hebrew. The word potter in Hebrew comes from the Hebrew word yotzer. Now, the word yotzer, of course, means potter. That's the one used over in Isaiah. It's used throughout the Bible when it speaks about a potter, God being a potter. It's the word yotzer. But you know, over in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 7, where the Bible says, and God formed man from the dust of the ground. The word formed is the same Hebrew word as potter. It's actually the verb form. Instead of yotzer, it's yatzar. And so same Hebrew letters, yud, zadach, and resh. Same letters, formed, potter. You know what the picture is? When God's making man, he formed man out of the dust of the ground. He made man, and then he breathed the breath of life in him. God is our potter. You see, Paul is telling Timothy, listen, let God use you. Let God mold you. God is creating vessels. That's what Brother Chris just preached on. He's creating vessels. I literally put that quote. That's what he said. God is creating vessels to roll the stone away. God wants to use us. He wants to, quote from Brother Hewitt, include us. But are you willing? You see, 
He pictures that because that potter, once he gets it made, he takes it inside his workshop and he puts them all along the shelves, all these different types of vessels. And, you know, I was thinking this morning and I just I went through and grabbed a couple of things. I was just uh, wanted to use maybe as an illustration. Here's a vessel. Uh, this is uh, Yadaim. This is for the hands. This is for hand washing. Go to a Jewish restaurant, a kosher restaurant. You're going to find one of these sitting outside uh, at a sink so you can wash your hands. You see them all over in uh, Orthodox areas. Matter of fact, in Mark chapter 7, when Jesus talked about the washing of the hands, when they accused the disciples of not washing their hands according to the traditions, it was this. You've got to take water. You've got to pour it on the left side of the hand. Then you're supposed to pour it on the right side of the hand. Now you're clean. You don't use any soap. This is a vessel. This is a vessel. You know, it's used for cleansing. It's used for certain occasions. I, I thought of another vessel I, I, I pulled out. And this one here is Bore Pari Hagafen. That means the fruit, it says the fruit of the vine. This is used during Passover when they take the four different cups. This is also used every Sabbath day when they take, well, the Bible it says here on the cup the fruit of the vine, but they use wine, they use real wine. That's why you got to be careful what you put in the vessel. It's not what it's for. It's for the fruit of the vine. And so they'll use this. So this is used on special occasions. It's used occasionally as well, maybe uh, once a week and once a year, depending on. And I went to Huddle House, Waffle House and ate some breakfast and got me a vessel. You know what I'll do with this vessel? I use it one time. That's it. I'm not going to hold on to this. You can have it if you want it. I'll let you have it. It's, it's a vessel. It's a vessel. But now this vessel. Now this is my Yeti coffee cup. This is a vessel under honor. There's two things I drink, and that's water and coffee. Water is vital, because without water you can't have coffee. You see... I don't hardly ever use this. I rarely use this. I use this once. But I use this one every day. What kind of vessel do you want to be? Paul said, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he'll be a vessel unto honor. God wants to include you. He wants to fill you. He wants to make a vessel for his glory and honor. But you've got to be willing. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for the privilege we have. Lord, just the, the love that you have for us is amazing. That you would want to take our lives as vile, and as wretched as we are. And yet make us a vessel for your glory. Oh, how humbling it is. Lord, help us to flee youthful lust. Help us to follow after righteousness. Help us to be a vessel, Lord, that you can use. I pray you'd have your will and way.